much can I offer one more thing? I want to take the time to celebrate the leadership of this beautiful church. Can we give God praise? First off, I want to take time to thank God for our senior pastor, Bishop Taylor, in his absence. Can we give God praise for Bishop Taylor and Lady Kay Taylor? We love you so much. Thank God for your leadership. We thank God for all of you, all those who serve in hospitality and those who serve in praise and worship and those who serve with the education and counseling, the deacons. Listen, can we give God praise for all the leaders, the creative team, the doorkeepers, all those who put their hands on this work? Listen, your labor will not be in vain. Mr. Glenda, God bless you. Your labor will not be in vain. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10. So the Apostle Paul is kind of in a dilemma merely because uh, he's writing a letter to a church, and in the beginning of his letter, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. Anybody ever been on a conversation with somebody, and you know based on the tone they give you that this is probably going to be a hard conversation? Like you, would, you go straight to like, what is it? What is it? Right? So, so in the beginning of our letter, we find that Paul has some celebrating, a, a celebrative tone, but then it shifts at verse number 10. And this is where we draw our, uh, our perspective. Verse number 10 in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind, and the same judgment. Let's go back again one more time. I appeal to you. That basically says, I am begging you. I am imploring to you. I urge you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Everyone say agree. agree. That there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. Amen. You may take your seats. And uh, again, we are continuing the series the art of living, and we're talking on the subject of unity. Everyone say unity. And if by chance you're taking notes or mental or physical, uh, we're going to use for a subtopic, restoring a unified press. Restoring a unified press. So listen, if you are a student of this house, and, and I don't know if you, I'm sure uh, some are, are guests, but those of you who are members of this house, then you know that we should be no stranger to the Apostle Paul. Would you all agree? We have read him, we have heard him, we prayed prayers uh, included in the scriptures, but just for the sake of us being on the same page, let's lay some foundation. Here we find the Apostle Paul writing letters to the church in Corinth. It's been suggested that this is one of the many letters that Paul wrote. Um, as a matter of fact, um, a, a bishop uh, let, let me know that it's probably uh, uh, good to assume that there were more than two letters that were written, but only two were documented. Uh, because uh, Paul was writing to this church, and he was also on a missionary journey. He was in prison. So there is an assumption, or a possible assumption, that Paul writes many letters, but some of them were probably lost at sea, or some of them were, 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 were taken by religious officials. And we have here two documented letters written to the church. However, here is the importance we need to consider about 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. The point that we need to consider is that the reason why Paul writes a letter to the church, number one, is to address problems within the church. Number two, is to offer solutions for the church. And number three, to teach the believers how to live for Christ. Here it is, in a corrupt society. Because the reality is, as a Christian, the challenges are not just found in the church, but challenges are also found once you walk outside the church. If you find yourself fighting with alcoholism or fighting, fighting with 
you know, weed and reap. When you walk out the doors, the corrupt society makes it challenging and difficult to walk the straight and narrow. You, you go online. We are bombarded by influences of a corrupt society. Right? The reason why many of us are fighting with addictions and fighting with issues is because we watch television and we see ratchet people that are a byproduct of a corrupt society. However, this is my initial charge for you, family. Just because you and I are forced to live in a corrupt society does not justify you to live corrupt. Right? Just because you're surrounded by ratchetness does not mean you have the, go the green light to be ratchet. Many of us make the assumption that we have the right to adopt the environment that we're brought up in. That's not the truth. The mere fact that you are in this room is proof that you are distinct from your family, from your school, and from those you are exposed to. Are y'all with me? So one thing is for certain, take note. You may have been brought up in a corrupt society, but it never allowed the spirit of that society to hinder what God is doing in you. I was in it, but that's not who I am. I was exposed by it, but that's not who I am. I, I, I dare say there are some men in this room, I'm so glad that you're here, because what God is trying to do is he's trying to reformat the way you think. So that you can understand that even though you were brought up in that environment, that's not your conclusion. Just because you were brought up in a divorced household doesn't mean you can't be married. Just because, unfortunately, you may have been a byproduct of bad decisions and poor choices doesn't mean your children have to follow in suit. One thing is for certain, as Christians, you must always fight for optimism. Knowing that your destiny is not somebody else's mistake. I said your destiny is not somebody else's mistake. Yes, I understand father relationships are not what they're supposed to be. That doesn't mean you are supposed to follow in suit. Broken relationships, I do what I do because my daddy did. No, you do what you do because you adopted the pattern that you were exposed to. And you did not believe... You did not believe there was anything else to follow. You have to be willing, watch this, to create new norms that destroy the past that God is delivering you from. New norms. That means when you walk in the doors of this church, that doesn't mean I'm pushing play. I mean I'm pushing record. So I can go back and remember that God is doing a different work in my life. How many of us have been found guilty of coming to church, pushing play? Did that, that, that make the baby cry? I'm sorry. Instead of pushing record. Pushing play causes you to play back what has been done. Pushing record means that God is creating a new norm so that the next time you push play, you have something else to refer to. Ask your neighbor, are you pushing play or are you pushing record? So, so Corinthians, uh, Corinth is a corrupt city. It's a modern-day Las Vegas. It's a city of sin. 
The reason why I watched this is because, oh my God, don't, don't. There were a lot of transients who went through Corinth. People who would come but wouldn't stay. Some of us, the reason why it's hard for you to progress forward from where you are is because you have a problem getting divorced from a Corinth in your life. The reason why progress is challenging for many of us is because we are addicted to Corinth. Does that make sense? Back in the day, you like to go to Vegas because you could turn up and do what you want to do. Some of you went to Laughlin. I, I don't know what, what places we go to. Some of us go down the street. But what messes me up, sis, is that we know what's there. I'm not going there to figure out if there's something different. I'm going there to fill a void in my flesh. Right? And so this church in Corinth, Paul said, it's important. I got to write a letter. Because although they are powerful, they've got great potential, they are a church trying to survive in a corrupt society. That make sense? So, so, so Paul is trying to address some issues in this church. And, uh, and, and, and th this is what gets me, is that while he is talking to the church, he's not talking about what's going on around the church, but he's talking about the culture within the church. Right? He's not posing judgment on down the street Manchester. He's not talking about Western. He's not talking about Florence. When he wrote this letter, he's talking about you and me. Tap your neighbor and say, listen, this is about you and me. So, 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 so here is the issue. He, he, he posed us to consider, watch this, that one thing is for certain is that no matter what church you are part of, let me digress and, and, and put this in, in context. No matter what church you attend, no matter what group you are a part of, no matter what relationships you create along the way, all of us, we'll find ourselves experiencing unavoidable opposition. Can we put that in perspective? I wish someone taught me this when I was a young Christian because at least I would prepare myself from stuff I couldn't run from. Now that I'm older, Rodney, I realize that there are some things you can't run from. Now listen, I'm not talking about external problems. I'm not just talking about internal problems. I'm talking about you will find yourself running into relationship dynamics that you can't run from. There will be opposition in your relationships, watch this, in church. Can, can we deal with it? There will be conflicts in your connections in church. There will be challenges with associations in church. Let me broaden the perspective. Some people in church have victimized God and the church they were hurt at because of the challenges they experienced there. Some people, watch this, in church have gotten cussed out. In church, thank you. Some have gotten into fights and heated altercations. In church. Some have been harshly treated and others have been black sheep. Where? Black sheep, ostracized. Right? So can we deal with that real quickly? Now, 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 here's the thing. Some of you are here in church, and you have always asked the question, if this is the church of Jesus Christ, then why are some of the greatest struggles experienced with people in church? 
Are y'all with me? So, so, so now let, let, me, let me help you understand why there are some dynamics you experience in church. One thing we need to consider is that Christianity is not a social club. Sunday morning worship should never be compared to you hanging out at a lounge or a party. Choir rehearsal is not a karaoke bar. And Bible study is not a library or a bookstore. Why do we find ourselves experiencing dynamics with relationships in churches? It's because Christianity is the lifelong process by which God is trying to get you out of you and me out of me. It is the lifelong process while you're sitting on Sunday morning at this beautiful church. It is a lifelong process, bro, where God is trying to get you out of you and me out of me. Consider what the Lord's aim stated by Paul, Romans 8 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, here it is, to be conformed to the image of his son. He didn't say into the image of Mike. He didn't say in the image of Bishop Taylor, in the image of John and Sean and Sherry and Terry and, 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 and Dylan and, and Keisha and Rhonda. No, to be conformed into the image of who? His son. So now put this in perspective. Christianity is the lifelong journey by which God is committed to form you, to fashion you, and to shape you into his son. Here is the problem. While all of us come to church to be better, the challenge is that we are reluctant in our flesh, which is why the journey is taking so long. Every single row in this church, if you are falling short of being conformed to his son, it's because there are forms of reluctance in your heart. On this pulpit, the reason why I am not a spitting image of Jesus Christ, thank you, Father, is because there is a reluctance that I am fighting with. Dynamics in my mind, dynamics in my heart, it don't mean I don't love God. It just means there's a tug of war That there's a tug of war in my members. Are y'all with me? So, 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 now, now, let's lay some foundation. Make no mistake, God's power is in this church. Would y'all agree? Now, let me also say this. For those of you who, reason why you're here is because you went through a bad experience at your older church. God's powers also were available there. Just because you had a bad experience doesn't mean it was lacking power. The reason why we have arguments and debates, the reason why there's no perfect church, the reason why there are problems and conflicts with our unity is because every local body of believers is made up of people who is fighting to be less of themselves and more like Christ. One of my missions for the church is that we get free from the spirit of scapegoatism. Scapegoatism, that means you're finding someone else to blame 
why you're not the woman or man God called you to be. If God removed the pastor and put in the right one, I promise you I would be better. If they stop talking about offering and tithe, I promise I'll be better. If, if, if the Lord would just move that person sitting next to me every single Sunday, I promise you I'll be more like Christ. I pose you to consider the rift in our unity with Christ is that we fight with the reluctance to change. So, someone, I, I, I got to be honest, someone lay a hand on your heart. Everyone lay a hand on your heart. And say there's a fight to change. As a man, as a woman, as a leader, as a pastor, there is a reluctant to change. Consider what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 27. If anyone desires to come after me, let him first, watch this, prioritize the necessity of denying himself. Ivory, the reality is self-denial is not easy to do. When you've been living with yourself all your life. I, 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 used, to, I used to think it, it was a time to clap when someone says, uh, I've been living and walking with Jesus for a long time. But if you're still here, that just means that you've been reluctant to change longer than I've been alive. You are not in your glorified body. There are members in your flesh fighting with the development of your spirit through submission to the Holy Spirit of God. You living 50, 60 only means you're still in a tug of war. So you need just as much prayer as I do, if not more. Because the worst thing that can happen is that you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years and still go to hell. Because you blamed everybody else in your life for your struggles. Are y'all with me? So, so let's, let's take a moment of introspection when it comes to dealing with this. If you have not conformed perfectly into the image of Christ, and you know that there are dynamics that you need to change as a husband, as a wife, as a leader, then number one, we've got to take this in consideration, there is a reluctance to change. Reluctance. Hold, hold my hand, sis. Just don't, don't, don't move. There's a reluctance. There is a pull to where I'm supposed to be, but there's a counter pull from what I have a problem leading. The question is, yeah, which, which pull is stronger? No, watch this. Notice what she did, though. She got a, she got a stronger base. So now it's no longer her, but now it's her and the chair. I'm going I'm to I'm use this. The only reason why she had more strength to pull me in her direction is because she was able to come in a connection with someone with an unbiased opinion. You got put, put your hand back on that. Unbiased opinion. Her mission is to pull me towards her. The chair was not here to argue with her, was not here to debate with her. The chair said, I'm willing to help you. If that's going to help him. Yeah. 
foundation when it comes to unity, and, and this is off the cuff, maybe the reason why we're losing strength in the pool is because we were more committed to hold on to people with biased opinions opposed to unbiased ones. That means people who are yes men and yes women so that you feel comfortable. However, living with biased opinions is like playing games. This is not supposed to be a tug of war. This is supposed to be divide and conquer. Does that make sense? So, so, so now, got to get back to this. So now this is the dynamics of what Paul is dealing with with this church. However, let me say this, brother, that it's one thing for you to deal with your weaknesses. It's one thing to deal with your problems. But what Paul suggests before dealing with the problem, we still first need to build off of a foundation that's strong enough to hold you as you move forward. Are you with me? What does that mean? It's one thing, brother, for people to remind you of your weaknesses and your failures, but your faith cannot be conditioned by your weaknesses, but must be conditioned by your strengths. Because every single day you're reminded of your weaknesses, but it's only your strengths that are going to pull you away from what's trying to drown you. So for some in this room, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to add this to your prayer. God, strengthen my strengths. The enemy says, pray for your weaknesses. Your weaknesses, watch this, will always tag in another person. You get rid of one weakness, sis, you'll deal with another one. You'll deal with another one. You'll deal with another one. But if you take the time to pray for your strengths, I ain't got to be tossed to and fray like a dryer because my strength keeps me planted. God strengthened my strengths so I won't waver. So strengthen my strength so I don't have to deal with unnecessary distractions. Elder Curtis, weaknesses get you off track. I need someone. Come on, David. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on sir. I got, I, got, I, got, I got a lot more. This is my base, my foundation. But if there's always a weakness that I focus on, keep pulling me, my base ends up moving with my weaknesses. Why do someone, some of us fight with repeating altar calls with the same issue? It's because you allowed your weakness to move its location. But if your feet were planted, the victory that you had here will be waiting for you. Ask your neighbor, where is your base? First Corinthians chapter four. So, 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 so foundation. We all understand weaknesses. We all understand issues that we got to deal with, but now let's build on our strengths. Notice what Paul says to the church, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 1, verse number 4. First off, I thank my God always concerning you 
for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Okay, now Paul is happy. Thank God. He's in thanksgiving. Why are you thankful, Paul? Verse number five, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and knowledge. Paul, I love it, thank you, God, is excited first off with the church because, brother, he realizes you have been enriched by God with the power of speech and understanding. Because of Jesus Christ, you now know how to understand and speak to those who don't understand about the truth of God. Okay, are y'all with me? This is a power that God gives you. I celebrate you because because of God, you now not only understand the doctrinal truths of God, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, worship, praise, prayer, baptism. You understand the truth, and now you can communicate to people who don't understand. So those of you who have been walking with Jesus for some time, I celebrate you because you've developed some power that someone is going to need. Now watch this, Brother Kurtz, what messed me up. Is that some of you have adopted the mantra of the church right now where we, we are, are in a season or in the era of favor. Y'all with me? Here is the problem. There is someone in this room who heard the confession but cannot testify and say that's, that, that's me. Because you are no stranger to pain. Even now, you find yourself dealing with reoccurring issues, addictions. And while you would love to, TK, talk about God is favoring me and I'm in the air of favor, right now, you're more accustomed to pain than to God's promises. Am I talking to anybody in here? This is what God told me. He said, listen, for some of you who are currently in a season of pain and frustration, the reason why you are still there is because God has empowered you to be able, watch this, to be able to translate pain to power. Some of you are, are, are on assignment from God to be able to interpret weakness to strength. Let me say it the way God showed me. Some of you are in a position where you now can interpret a problem into God's promises. Watch this. While some people in this world are pessimistic and are always negative when they run into a situation, some of you are on assignment by God who can look at a problem and say, I know what God is doing, so now I can communicate to you what God can do. You are called the problem interpreters. Because pessimistic people and negative people always want a way out. We want to run away. I'm with you, sis. We want to run away. We want to flee. But some of you are on assignment by God who has now no stranger to pain. And now when you used to cry, you now find joy because you now understand and can now communicate that pain has a language. Persecution has a language. I'm sorry. Problems have a language. And some people are on assignment to teach you that the reason why you are where you are is because God is trying to set the stage for where he wants to take you. Can someone give God praise knowing that even if God, wait, even if God 
doesn't pull you out of a problem. You can find peace in a problem because you at least know why it's here. Dwayne, women, I wish I could say, sis, that God is going to withdraw you from every problem and every issue. That may not be the case. Maybe what God is trying to do is teach you his truth with the problem in your face. Make sense? I thank you, God, because he has enriched you with everything by him in all utterance and knowledge. Again, that is, yes, that is doctrinal truth in God's will. But for some of you, it's God's revelation. Circumstances, situations that you can't run from. It's so that you can have a testimony that I know I should, but I refuse to. Because I know who God is and what God can do. Y'all with me? Let's move on. Verse number six. Okay, bless the Lord. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, verse number seven, here's the next thing he thanks God for, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly awaiting for the revelation of Jesus Christ. So number one, he thanks God because they were empowered with speech and understanding. Here's the second thing he thanks God. He thanks God that they were not short of any spiritual gift while they're waiting for the revelation of Jesus Christ. For some in this room, hear me. For those of you who come to church expecting God to give you what you're missing, God is telling me, if I belong to you, you lack nothing. You are not coming to church to fill a void. You're coming to church in anticipation for me to manifest what I did. He tells the church, he tells God, I thank God that there is no spiritual gift lacking. Listen, family, none of you are lacking any tools or resources to be who you are called to be. Your experiences and your education of your past are designed to prepare you so that you are just waiting now for an opportunity for God to manifest what he embedded in your spirit. You are not waiting for God to fill your account. You're waiting for God to create an opportunity so time can manifest. Romans says it this way. The suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. We are not waiting for God to add to. We're just waiting for the right season so the glory can be made manifest. Listen I want you to quickly touch your neighbor and tell them there's glory after this. No, 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 no. Say it with conviction. Tap them and say, there's glory after this. Listen, I understand the pain. I understand the frustration. I understand the suffering. I understand the issues. I understand what it looks like. But hear me when I say it. There's glory after this. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Theo. There's glory after this. And I don't want to move too fast because I'm praying when you leave this room that when the enemy tells you that you are a failure, when the enemy tells you that you might as well stop coming to church, when the enemy tells you stop trusting in God, you need to remind yourself, I lack no good thing. And all I'm waiting for is the opportunity for God to manifest what he's been producing. For somebody in this room, the reason why you are where you are is because God is manufacturing something greater than you came from. 
manufacturing something greater than you fought with. He's, he's manufacturing something greater than you dealt with. The relationship, the frustration, the issues, the conflicts. It's just have no comparison to what God is about to produce from your life. points and I'm going to run through these. He said, while um, Deke, Paul celebrates the church because of their power and speech and understanding. He, 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 he thanks God because they were lacking no spiritual gifts just waiting for revelation of God. But in the same breath, his church was still suffering from division. church wasn't lacking spiritual gifts, Danielle, but they were lacking cohesion. They, they were lacking synergy. This, this church taught me the, that you can have power and potential and still suffer from selfishness and pride. I, I can't, I've been, me and my wife been coming since March, and I've seen great, amazing things in this church seen amazing things and what God is doing and even other churches and we are not short of God's power. But the Lord convicted me to share this message that power and potential does no good for you. If you are still drowning in exalted problems and division among you. Are y'all with me? Because what God is not going to do is he's not going to pocket bless this church. Not pocket, pocket. That's not how God works. Because then he would return favoritism. And that's not how God's character is. Which means if somebody in this church is not on the same page, then all of us will run into a brick wall. Because the favor that God wants to pour requires united. Are y'all with me? So, 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 so while many of you, by God's grace, has blessed you and favored you, I'm with you. But what God is looking for is where pockets are now becoming holistic. Because the reason why there are, what are those called uh, when, when you've got uh, your, your circle of friends and that's it? Yeah. Squads. The reason why there are cliques in churches is not because uh, of, of, of friendship and favoritism. It's because in this pocket, we deal with the least amount of drama. We deal with the least amount of problems and issues and conflicts. However, what God is trying to do is, I am not going to just bless your pocket. I want to bless the whole house. But the only way that blessing can be released in this house is, is when we are able to embrace the spirit of unity. Everyone say unity. unity. So let's go through this real quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 10. Here we go. Verse number 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you, number one, what? What did your text say? Thank you. Agree. 
agree. Everyone say agreement. So, so number one, when it comes to dealing with division, and I'm talking about even in marriages, not just the church, but I'm talking about your family, how do you deal with division? You have to be willing to live in agreement. I, re- I didn't say visit agreement. I said learn to live in it. That's right. That means, that means uh, build your house in agreement. Consider what Amos 3 and 3 says. How can two walk together unless they agree? Now, here's the implication, sis. How can two walk, that is verb, action, together unless they what? Agree. Now, which means uh, uh, agreement is necessary for progression. Progress is a byproduct of agreement. Watch this. As an individual, the only way I'm able to walk here to there is because my feet, my legs, my kneecaps, my hip bones, my chest are in agreement of where I'm supposed to walk. Even as an individual, we still walk in agreement. Here's something interesting. Deacon Mike's about to get surgery for his knee. However, while he's about to get surgery for his knee, the knee is not able to do what it was supposed to do until it gets surgery. But he, that, mean, that doesn't mean he's not able to function. It just means the agreement now has to be shared to his other body parts. The knee says, y'all, I, I can't go no more. The other leg said, I got you, bro. The the stomach and the chest and the back says, we got you, fam. The feet says, we're going to walk like we walk, like we're 100%. The only way his body is still able to function is that the other body parts were willing to take the weight. But if there was no agreement, there'd be no progression. And for this church, our united press is a byproduct of us being in agreement. Now, I got to say this. The reason why some of us have a problem living in agreement, good to see Bishop, appreciate you, sir. The reason why many of us have a problem living in agreement, watch this, is because some of us assume that we lose our distinction when we conform to a common mission. why some of us have a problem living in agreement is because we assume that I lose myself to get with you. This church, the reason why someone is still reluctant to be all in is because you're fearful of thinking that if you become all in, you lose yourself. You lose your distinction. You lose what makes you special. What makes you unique. Unity or agreement causes your distinction to have a focus. When you become all in with a group, you don't lose yourself. You just find a new purpose that's greater than yourself. Before I got married to my wife, I had an idea of what I wanted to do in life. Short-lived. When I got married, 
the initial years, the vision was blurred because I still saw my future when I was single. But when we went through pain, when we fought hard times, when we were back and forth with each other, my agreement gained strength because I had a bigger picture. I realized life is bigger than when I thought it was. So now I'm committed to live in agreement with this woman merely because I realized I'm not losing myself. I'm gaining a bigger purpose. I gained a bigger vision when I'm with my woman of God. And someone in this room, God is charging you and saying, listen, your vision is short-sighted until you are willing to see the value of living in agreement. Make sense? All right, verse number 10. Let's go to the next one. I plead your brethren by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak with the same thing, that there be, here it is, same thing we said about uh, being on the same court. Second one, that be no divisions among you. Right, no divisions among you. No separations. Right, no, 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 no incomplete. So, so here's the point. Considering Matthew 12 and 25, the Bible says, a house divided against itself cannot stand, C cannot stand against opposition, cannot stand against challenges and difficulties. Now here is the conflict of unity when it comes to division. Many of us, like I said before, is that we have a problem because we think that we lose our distinction. Many of us, the reason why we're on the cusp of division is because we do not know how to manage different opinions. different opinions. The reason why many of us are on the cusp of division in our relationship, even in, even in church, is because we're forced to try to manage different viewpoints. You think differently than the way I think. You see differently than the way I see it. And so because we see differently, we can't be on the same page. Are y'all with me? And so I pose you to consider, you can only go so far until the unity is on one accord. Watch this. And you are also willing to consider what is the bigger problem. The bigger problem, bro, is not how you see it. The bigger problem is what is assigned to separate what we put together. Why are some marriages failing in this season? It's because they emphasize on different opinions, negating the attack of division. And so what we need to consider in this season and this day is not emphasize on your viewpoint, but consider what matters the most. What matters the most is our unity. And if our unity is more important, then we have to commit to fighting division. Does this make sense, family? Pretty much done. Verse number 10, he says, there be agreement among you. That there be no uh, divisions among you. He also said that you be on the same page. One mind. Thank you. The same mindset. That, that, that same mindset is to suggest, family, that you need harmony in your unity. Everyone say harmony. harmony. Real quick, real quick example. Uh, Rodney is going to help, help us. Every single Sunday we have praise and worship. And with praise and worship, the praise and worship team grabs the mics and they sing songs. Right? First, 
times, some, some songs you, you hear what's called unison. Come on, give us, give us real quickly a, a little, little unison. For your glory, I will do anything. Hey, you heard it, right? Unison. Everybody should be on the same note. Okay? Now give us harmony. Just to see. Watch this. Unison is for all of us to be on the same note. Yeah. Harmony is to, is it invert? No. Come on, no. give me the right term. Right, it is, it, harmony, what is it, what is it though? It's the same Come on, doctor. Here, here, here's, listen, here, here's my point. Here's my point. When you heard unison, you heard a common note, but you did hear a slight variation. Why? Because we have male and three female. But the same note with a different variation. So, so watch this. When they went into harmony, there was a shift. The shift was specific, but the same song. We heard difference in the song, but the same song. Harmony allows you, watch this, to value your distinction while we fortify United Press. What God is suggesting for us in the text is that when he says, be of the same mind, He's not saying be carbon copies. He's just saying submit to harmony. I want a harmonious church. A church who understands their distinction, but at least are mature enough to consider we're only singing one song. We're hearing one message. We are committed to one purpose. We have to find harmony if we want a united press. Come here, babe. And the last, not only be on the same page, same mind, he also says be of the same judgment. That means it's one thing for us to have the same mind but our counsel, our advice, our dictatorship, the judgment has to be the same, even if there are different viewpoints. Does this make sense? Sir, can, can, can I get your help real quick, please? Give me that rope. This is my wife. This is my best friend. Girl, been married for six years. Friends for almost ten, over ten, in a year. Um, we, we we walk together. We, we talk together. We are committed to live in agreement because of the covenant that we have together. Yeah. Yeah. However, 
no matter how strong our covenant is, there will always be assigned attacks of division. Stay there. Come third, division. Right in the middle. Middle and right in the middle. Because of our agreement, this should irritate me. Because of our covenant, this should agitate me. I cannot continue the way I've continued if this is true. Family, never allow your covenants to find new norms with divisions you refuse to deal with. My fear for this church is that while we are still connected, we have created a new norm with assigned divided attacks. I still feel my wife's hand. I still remember when we used to walk together. But because of my neglect in dealing with what's trying to divide us, we cannot move forward. Stay right there. Let's walk. We can't because there's a boulder we refuse to deal with. So number one, he says, I pray that you live in agreement. Stay there. Baby, do you believe that this is a problem? Y'all believe that this is a problem? My wife. We're now in agreement. We made a conversation that this could be a problem. And the reason why we're committed to it is because we are in covenant. Number two, now we have to be united. What should we do with the problem? Right? <laughs> the wife's like, I ain't playing no game. Just kill that thing. Let's get that. <laughs> Watch this though, watch this. Division is running free. So first, before we kill it, we have to bind it. Your marriage, you want to kill division, but you first have to catch it. You got to catch it. It's running free. I'm in agreement with you, but we should bind it first, right? All right. Now we're on the same page. Division has now been bound. He no longer can terrorize my covenant. Now we can be restored because we dealt with division. Come here real quick. I'm out of time. The attack of division is not singular, but plural. There will always be another attack trying to divide what God put together. Babe? But now we have experience. We now know what to do. He becomes another victim of the covenant 
Watch this. Because we have a bigger picture in mind. For some of you, there are multiple, y'all see this, multiple suspects of division trying to stop and hinder you. However, the strength of your covenant should always outlast the opposition. Watch this. If you found something worth fighting for. fighting for it don't matter your opinion how you feel what you think is right what do we need to do for the betterment of our team what do we do to make sure that we stay together because this has changed my life this has made me a better man and, and because I'm better because of this, I don't care how many attacks come against it, as long as you're willing to stay with me. Now, some of y'all think this is about marriage. This is actually about the church. Because God is on one side of the spectrum with his hand out, and the church is reaching from a distance. Expecting God to reach you where you are. When God says, no, I need you to meet me where I am. Anyone who desires to come after me, let him first deny himself. Keep backing up. But because of the reluctance to change her position, division will always take the reign of you. My fear is that this has not become the future of heavenly vision before we transition to our next destination. But someone is willing to take the time to consider that if I if I ever get an image of what division looks like in this church, I will attack it head on because I am committed to the covenant of this house. I believe in the vision of our bishop and first lady. I believe in this leadership team. I've seen lives saved, I've seen lives changed and delivered. And regardless of our difference of opinions, I'm committed to submit to one mindset because I'm tired of allowing division to be the last say-so for my church, for my family, for my marriage. I've gone grossly over time. And I don't, I almost don't know what to do after this moment. So I'm just going to acquiesce and give it to Bishop Taylor. Because um, I, I, I see a mountain, but I can't see over it until some things are first addressed. And, and, and while most of us are waiting for the head to address it, the hand feels the pain. The kneecap feels the frustration. The ankle bone feels the depression. And while the body feels the pain, waiting for head to give orders, I just want to know, are there body parts who feel enough pain to tell the other hand, I got you? To tell the other eye, I got you? To tell a sister, you ain't got to fight by yourself. To, to tell another brother, I don't know you as much, but just know that we're in this together. 
I don't know your story, but I'll give you an ear. Just tell me what you've been through and maybe I have something to pray about. What can I do? Because I believe in what God is trying to do here. Family, when we, when we create a united press, thank you, when we create a united press, division cannot stand the potential of this church. But until we acquiesce and suppress our own viewpoints, it will be a figment of our imagination. As I give the mic to Bishop, I pray for your marriages, your families, your groups, and understand that there will always be different opinions and viewpoints. But when you have a bigger picture in mind, it don't matter the differences. All that matters is what is our goal.